Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050-424-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York. BWI Daily Edition coming to you today. It is State of the Program Part 2. That's what I'm calling it, Nate. Because yesterday we got James Franklin's comments on a wide variety of topics that included a lot of stuff that had absolutely nothing to do with uh, National Signing Day, which on Wednesday that was the case, and Pense got two new recruits. Uh, the T. Franks Film Room is probably up if you're watching this on YouTube. It's probably up right now, so you can check that out on Blue White Illustrated's YouTube channel. If you're listening to the podcast, you can check it out on Blue White Illustrated's YouTube channel. And if you're a member, you get that early access for T. Franks Film Room on the site first. Great reason to sign up for a dollar. Link is in the description. Nate, I've been yammering on. How you doing? I'm I'm great. I just I cannot get over the new music. I'm I'm gonna get used to it, but it's just it's really throwing me off. Are we gonna? Do, is there gonna be a new eventually a new card? New- eventually. So you know, a little a little peek behind the scenes, a little little behind the curtain stuff. I may have said this before on the channel, like everything you see on the screen is something that I've made in some way. Other you know parts and pieces, and and when you when you do this stuff, you you have. A bunch of things you're working with to it's like a salad to make a salad right so when I find new things that I like I introduce them into the show and one of the things that I've gotten is I've gotten access to through our parent company uh, Adobe like the all of it and as much as I'm a kid in a candy store I'm not gonna just throw crap up there so once I get my legs under me how to make things a little bit better then we'll be getting some new intros and some transitions and some things like that you'll see it here and there, it's going to start growing and developing, but not ready to change the intro just yet because I haven't you found anything yet that I like. You should have you should have popped some video of Micah Shrewsbury at the game the other night, the basketball game. We should that should be yeah. the next step. That was well, it was on my just mind. Some, some video footage that'd be it was, great. It was on my mind, and I I was there with a mission. I needed to get. Needed to get X, Y, and Z. I had the edict on high from our senior editor of here's what we need at the basketball game. So I went with my trusty camera I'm looking into right now and shot a bunch of photos of the basketball team. So I, I, I'm, I'm a man of many talents, but one of them is not time travel to be in two places. Oh, stop. <laughs> Just do it all. You'll be yes, fine. You, you, you are correct. I will be fine. I'll be able to do it. Uh, we're talking about 
Penn State and the future of college football today. A really big brain, galaxy brain meta discussion with Nate Bauer about where college football is headed and Penn State's role in that environment. So we heard James Franklin speak yesterday on a number of issues, and we covered a bunch of them yesterday. And we actually talked about some football with some new recruits and the players and questions about Sean Clifford. So if you want to check that out, it's, of course, bluewhiteillustrated.com. You can check out the article there, the podcast, or again, you can subscribe to the YouTube channel, and you can see it there on the Daily Edition feed. We're going to go part two here, some of the deeper topics we didn't have time to cover. And one of them is what Nate was basically describing as James Franklin's elevator pitch yesterday as far as what the program needs to be. Is that a fair way to put it? Yeah, I think so, because it was it was a response to many different questions, Yeah, right? The, the questions don't actually have to be interrelated for, for him to feel as though, um, you know, there is a certain characteristic and a certain approach that needs to be taken to compete in this environment. And this is what he said about that. I think we have to be bold and aggressive. Um, I think we have to sit here and say, okay, here's a rule that's coming. That's going to be a change. And how are we going to take advantage of that rule under the Penn State umbrella um, that everybody is comfortable with and have thorough discussions about it? And then the same thing under the state rules and laws. And then once we do that, which we should be able to do very quickly, then we need to, then we need to move and we need to be um, one of the leaders in college football. Uh, we need to be one of the leaders in, in college athletics um, and, and, and put some things out there that people can be excited about and that people can get behind and that put our student athletes in the best position and, and put our, um, our individual teams in the best position to be successful and compete year round. There's a lot to unpack there, but I guess the first place to start is how do you go from not leading and being behind mm -hmm. to then being the leader, being out in front of these things? How do you get to that point, Nate? Yeah, that's. A, I mean, that's a great question. I don't know that it is something that happens overnight, but certainly I think it's something that can happen through a variety of decisions that are made over a course of time. Look, like you're even seeing right now the first kind of implications of NIL on the college football landscape, right? Uh, Jimbo Fisher's rant on Wednesday yeah. about how NIL had nothing to do with, right? Like the, these, the very fact that that was a rant, even though he's ranting against its existence means it exists, right? Like it, <laughs> I, yeah. I understand, I understand yeah. what he's saying and I, and I'm, I'm not in no position to, to argue whether or not uh, NIL has a huge influence on Texas A&M, but yeah, uh, or its recruiting class, but the, the point remains, it is the conversation. It is what everyone is talking about right now. And so one thing that I saw on Wednesday night that I thought was super interesting, Southern Cal football on its website is selling Caleb Williams autographed helmets and footballs. Already. <laughs> Already. He hasn't played a game. Yeah. He hasn't played a game for them. But, but my point is that's through their infrastructure. Yeah. So Southern Cal has made a decision. And, and again, I mean, as, as James Franklin mentioned there, it's, it's not an aside. It is a huge piece of this to create your plan within the construct that exists with right. Whatever the, whatever yeah. those rules are, whatever Pennsylvania's rules are, what, whatever uh, Penn state as a university is doing, whatever the athletic department as, um, a whole is doing yeah. those things are all important, but take the things that you can control and then maximize them. I, I mean, I right. think that is, is essentially his, his message and it is, it is absolutely necessary to start down that road as, and as quickly as you can do it. 
um, within the space that you have. I, I always try to memorize what I'm going to say before I come on camera, but what you said, and Jimbo Fisher just jarred something in my memory, and I, I want to go read this. Normally, I make it look so easy, don't I, Nate? It's all memorized. Always. Right down the okay. Uh, this is from SI.com. Uh, I want to see one second. I got to block a pop up here. This is via the Associated Press. Every Texas Longhorn offensive lineman on scholarship will get $50,000 annually for the use of their name, image, and likeness to support charitable causes, a new nonprofit entity announced on Monday. Do you know who Charles Power, on three recruiting ranking director, had as the number one offensive line class in 2022? Texas. Hawaii. <laughs> uh. yes all the big guys want to go eat pig in hawaii and do luau's and live in that and yes no it was texas so yes it's having an effect it absolutely is having an effect one equal two and like i i don't want to hear that it didn't have an effect because it did so penn state is not in this area they are not in this environment yet um what and I always ask you these things because we we go I'll go back to our conversation about facilities and and you said it's not like you have to have them lined up in a list a honeydew list multiple things can happen at the same time but I'm going to ask you it this way again if there's an actionable item here right now that Penn State could take in the next three months to ad advance the ball you know, start the clock on this. Where do you start? What's the easiest avenue of entry for Penn State to be competitive on this level? Personnel, I think, is okay. probably, it, it's a higher or three or seven. I'm, I'm not exactly sure how broad it needs to be. I thought Mike Gross asked a, a good question on Wednesday about putting a finer point on what are the specifics that James Franklin wants? That that's kind of the 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 thing that is happening right now with James Franklin is he he talks in broad terms about what's necessary without ever really specifying yep. what those things are. Yep. Okay. And and I get it. Um, you know, if it comes across as insubordinate, right? Because these are things that maybe he has requested that have not been approved or have been denied, um, you, you know, then certainly you you would understand his hesitation in bluntly saying, oh, I want a staff of five to handle NIL in the Lash building right. 24 hours a day, 365, right? Uh, so if that hasn't happened, okay, fine. He he can't go to those specifics, but I think that's what he's alluding to. Yeah, <laughs> I, think, I think that I think that that's part of what he's alluding to is look, just look around, look at what everybody else is doing, and what exists within the framework that you can do immediately. And I do think that that's one of those things. Is hey, Penn State needs someone in house. Like it should actually be a bonus. It should be it should be something that is that Penn State is proud of having a liaison that can weed out some of the untoward actors right. that are out right. there. Right. Right? Like to to help in that process, to to help these kids and to help their parents because it's not it's not about it's no not one... about Sean Clifford. It's about yeah. his parents. It's about right. the the support structure around him. It's not about Nick Singleton. No one's right? born like with business, a business degree. You may have an inclination towards understanding the subtleties of business, and that may lead you into a career that way, but no one's born with business net to go get their own NIL deal. And, and that is a part of, you know, I think that is an easy entry into – Penn State's commitment to educating players, right? I mean, that's uh, we want to educate players and let them have the understand how to business and finance and all of those lofty goals of not only get the money but make the money work for you. Like getting the money is also part of it in business, yep. is it not? It's the main part of it. Very much so. Very much. And I, I just, I, I think that that is happening at a lot of other schools that would be very simple for Penn State to implement because. James Franklin can't be the guidance on something like this. Right. Uh, right. Jaywan Sider can't be the, all of the assistant coach. Like 
<laughs> there, and again, like this is something that he talked about yesterday, but I'm going to focus it a little bit. There's so much happening. Yeah. His job, James Franklin's job should be to coach football and <laughs> maybe raise some money, right? We're and so far kids. beyond that at this point, right? <laughs> I, I get it, but 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 the same deal for Sean Clifford. His job should be to play football, and he yeah. talked about it during the season. He talked about some of the NIL endeavors that he had. Yep. He, he signed autographs, and he has a deal with McClanahan's, and you know those are those are good things. He had really very little to do with it. It's hey, Sean, show up at this time and smile and wave yeah. and sign a few autographs and it's done that that is something that penn state can help with here's where and it gets so murky I, here's where it gets murky and this is kind of what we're talking about is the people that do that are agents right and if you're an 18 year old who's guaranteed zero money but has potential to make money how do you invest in an agent how do you know who's a good agent? How do you even I think in the NFL, there's a clearinghouse where you have to be certified. So how do how do you manage all of that at the NCAA level? And how do universities and I think the, the wrong word is control, because that makes it sound like then the university is dictating things. But educate. Let's go back to that word. That's less inflammatory. How do you educate these players to make good decisions with their name, image and likeness? And make it so they're they're not being taken advantage of. I I mean I do I do think that that's already happening in terms of what they have in place. That was the whole point: is hey, you can stay above the fray as an institution and as as a university, while still giving these guys and young women the opportunity to learn about what this landscape looks like. Yeah. But I just think that there's a massive difference between, hey, here is what this landscape looks like versus, hey, I can help you navigate it. I can right. help you actually like, hey, so that's the, that's the, the next step. That's the step further from just having the information to then making the information actionable for these kids or acting on it for them. Yeah, I mean, of many. Of many, mm -hmm. it doesn't. It doesn't have to be that. If 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 there are restrictions at Penn State that prevent that, then maybe it's something else, right? Maybe mm -hmm. maybe it is. We talked about it the other day. The collective. Maybe it's a, a, a thing where a, a group of wealthy Penn State donors, alums, what have you, get together, organize, and have a, uh, for lack of a better word, a slush fund right. that can can start to facilitate some of these deals. I feel, um, you know, I'm I'm giving James Franklin a problem for not being specific, but in that sense, he's kind of right, right? Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't it it's not about it, it's not about this. Hey, we have to do this one thing. It's hey, there are 25 different options. Use your imagination. Use your imagination. Yeah. Figure it out. Yeah. Figure it out. And the people who are best suited to figure it out need to get together and do that. Uh, so this would be a great time to be at the Smeal College of Business as a student. Like, it sounds like it, like anybody with an idea uh, can come in here and, and affect this area for Penn State football. Um, I, I don't know how that would work because I don't have those. My ideas and my, my imaginative ideas you see here on screen. I'm not business deal guy. But somebody out there is, and that's the point for all of these things that you're seeing across the country, is like $50,000. The game's one of the trenches, Nate. The game is one of the trenches. And I heard Texas people, you know, fans and, and commentators, talk about how the biggest difference between Texas in the mid-2000s and now is the offensive line. So somebody went out and did something about it. And they get $50,000. So, like, use your imagination, I guess, is the point. Uh, the next thing is, and you brought up the collective, and, and, and this is something that people keep saying, largest alumni association in the world for Penn State. Yep. And I, my brain is pretty literal, A to B sometimes. The alumni association actively raises funds. So if USC can actively sell helmets with autographs, can the largest alumni base in the world actively raise funds for the football program? Like, if we're just making stuff up, are you, every Penn State grad got that call at some point. And my ex-girlfriend from, from college made those calls at the call center. 
So like there's a there is an infrastructure in place to raise donations. I just I don't know if you're allowed is is it legal? I, I I'm asking questions I don't know the answer to, which I normally don't do, but like is that yeah. legal? Yeah, I'm not I I mean at Penn State probably not. Right. <laughs> at, Penn, at Penn State, that's not something that it, uh would happen. But that doesn't mean that again, it like the 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 basic tenant notion to understand and that I think James Franklin is trying to push right now, and I tend to agree with it, is look, the rules that are written, whatever, those fine. Mm-hmm. But figure out a new path. Figure figure out what you can do and then go at it really, really hard. Like do as much as you possibly can within what you are permitted to do. And then while that's happening, if you need to lobby to adjust some things and have rules rewritten, I mean, you're looking at it right now. In, this is national news. Alabama's state legislator is going to redo or has already redone its NIL law, right? Like, so it's <laughs> law from July. Yeah. It, it's, it's going to redo that. So like <laughs> this is, this is not, um, conspiratorial. It's not something that I'm trying to turn into something that it's not, uh, Penn state football matters to a ton of businesses and people it's success and right. Being able Mm -hmm. to create it and sustain it is incredibly important, certainly to this community and in a lot of ways, the state. Yeah. If it's in the interest of the state to change laws yeah. for Penn State to be able to better compete at in this realm, it should do that. Yeah, That should be happening. Those conversations should be, be had right now, and those things should, should pass through the legislator. Do you think, um, do you think quickly, because we brought up USC, USC is in one of the largest states in the union, right? massive geological like you know it's a huge state that covers multiple uh different areas multiple different cities multiple different ethnicities it it, it is it's it, it's everything of the west coast right it is so diverse pennsylvania is very much different so if usc has la is that an advantage that penn state is in position to have pennsylvania like I, I'm, I'm again thinking out loud, asking questions in real time. Like, is that an advantage or is that a disadvantage? Because I think we talk about this with state college in mind, the specific businesses, but we're talking about the state level. Is there the influence there, and is that a value to? You get what I'm saying? Like, is there there's a difference there to be had, or is it not? Uh, that's not the point. I, I mean, USC is a private school. Like, it, it just it's about having influence and true and and if that's what you're asking is whether or not penn state has that influence i don't yeah. know if it does i don't know if it's something that penn state has sought and that's kind of we were talking about this before the show that's where the new president at penn state comes yep. into play is hey what, what's her influence what what are the relationships what needs to happen to open doors and then again while those doors are being opened, while that process is, ta- because here's the thing is all these states are going to follow each other. Yeah. And if they don't follow each other, they're going to find themselves and their universities and their athletic programs quickly becoming irrelevant. So if, if, if there is a blueprint that's out there, like, and you saw it this summer, you saw it this summer when there were three or four, seven states maybe that had passed laws. I mean, it, it happened overnight. Yep. It was like, oh, June 30th, boop. Go back to sports betting. Once the dam broke at sports betting, it was, I mean, almost all states now. There are going to be some holdouts that are always going to be holdouts, but like most states now, sports betting is legal. Uh, and, And here I am. Yesterday, we're talking about like things that interest me and like here I am thinking of solutions and thinking of things because that's how my brain works talking about these topics. So appreciate you following me down the rabbit hole on some specific random things that came into my brain, Nate. Uh, I know I'm (laughs) taking you by the (laughs) I want to I want to I want to put a fine point on this. Going back to, as you mentioned, James Franklin's comments yesterday about the president of Penn State and the the new one coming in uh, and and Eric Barron leaving. 
because this is going to kind of wrap up and, and really frame where Penn State is if you haven't checked out the full press conference from James Franklin. Here he is speaking about the new president and NIL. With name, image, and likeness, this is something that we've been pushing on and, and talking about for two years. Um, in the football building, this was brought up um, you know, two years ago um, that we needed to have a plan and be aggressive and be bold uh, with this area. Um, compared to the, the programs that you have mentioned, uh, we're not there yet. I do think we have an unbelievable opportunity at Penn State with our alumni base uh, and our brand and our, and our national reputation. Um, I think we have tremendous opportunities you know, with the education um, you know, that our young men get and the foundation that our men and women leave Penn State with and the number of really, really successful alumni that we have. We have to take advantage of that and we have to be bold and we have to be aggressive and we have to embrace it. Um, I'd love to see us being on the, the front end um, and being the leader uh, nationally in these, these areas, um, but, but we're not there yet. Uh, there's, that's, that's clear and that's obvious. Um, we have some work to do. Um, but yeah, I would, I'd love to see us um, like the schools that you mentioned um, that us be that we are bold and aggressive in these areas and flexible. And when these new rules are put in place, we have to move and we have to move quickly. Uh, that there's there's no doubt about it. Um, you know, when it comes to conversations with our with our new president, um, I think the first thing is I think uh, our new president has been very very respectful um, of President Barron and and. You know, make sure that that transition is is smooth. Um, and obviously, we have a ton of respect for for Coach Barron and what he's been able to do in our time. You know, we came pretty much together to Penn State. Um, you know, so I haven't had a, a sit down conversation uh, with our new president yet. We've had some conversations, but not you know in the details that you're talking about. I know that's going to happen. So. I think that kind of puts into context where Penn State as a university sits at this point. And I know that was a bit of a longer clip, but it, it, I think it covered a lot of what we're talking about and, and framed it pretty well that Penn State, James Franklin and the new president haven't even sat down to really have a talk about all of this stuff to make any of my great ideas I've suggested actionable or some of the ones that are out there. So is that something, do you think that's a legitimate barrier that's got, that might, the, the wheel might get greased here soon for Penn State? Once that is yeah. transition is complete. Yeah, I think I think once the transition is complete, and I, I think that's what he said. I mean, I, I don't think that there's any yeah. real um, mystery to that is that Eric Barron is still outgoing. And so there's kind of this respectful transition of power. Obviously, it's not like that serious. It's not but the president of the United States, the president of the university. <laughs> Sure. Yeah. And so, and so, um, yeah, there's, there's this transition, but I mean, I think that, that the word that he used yesterday was alignment, right? Is that he believes that it is as close as it's been in his time at Penn state. So that's eight full years now where the board of trustees and its director, the president of the university, the athletic director and football coach and all of the mechanisms in between, right, have the best opportunity at all pulling the rope in the same direction. And so if that's the case, I mean, I, I don't know about you, but like I, I got my sense was twofold yesterday. One, they're not where they need to be. Two, but they could. They could get there. It's not it's not impossible. There's no there's yeah. no there's no barrier that would prevent this from going forward. And so I think that's there, you know, there was a, a, a little bit of excitement behind some of those words about what the actual possibilities are. They just have to open the door. You just have to open the door and, and walk through it. Uh, just because I absolutely know, uh, and I'm just asking you for our, our listeners, and I totally know the answer to this question. Do you know when Neely Benabuti takes over as president of the university? Is it this spring? Yes. Okay. I'm glad you said the spring because 
<laughs> anywhere between March 20th and like May and 5th. June I was 20th. imagining that Eric Barron graduates. <laughs> like he's going to walk across with his cap and gown finally. It's been yeah. probably 40 years of his life, but finally he's graduating from college. So I don't think it's <laughs> I don't think it's imminent. I don't right. think that it's like next week, but I could right. be wrong. Okay, uh, so let's get on to our next topic. This is obviously a very heavy non-football topic, but ultimately these conversations affect what happens on the field. You know, uh, from from players coming into the university to the university standing in college football and their influence and all that stuff. It is about what happens on the field, and that is the fun part, and that's the part that we always want to really focus on but it is the off season when all these big things happen. So uh, if if it has not been to your taste, appreciate you coming to the BWI Daily Edition. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. We're now going to answer. I'm your sorry. <laughs> you, you're sorry. Yeah, yeah. If it's not enough, uh... when are they going to commit to the running game? <laughs> we'll get to some of that. We'll get to the some of that. But. Uh, I enjoy these conversations. I feel like it. Like these are uh, interesting, as long as you're open to the the ideas and to the topics. But if you want to, if you're the fan that says it wasn't this way in my day, and it was, you know, all of these things, like I and I interact with people like that on a regular basis, in person, friends, family members, and. It's not going to get better. And I know we've we've kind of said this already, Nate, but like there's no going back. So hopefully for the fans out there that don't like this stuff, like maybe you just don't have to pay attention to it. But it is a factor when it comes to fourth and two. And do you have an offensive line? Do do you do you care about how the Patriots were built as a franchise? Personally? Or do you care? Or, no, no, no. I'm, I'm just saying. Okay. Like, because lies and cheating of, is the answer to how they were built, but go ahead. But that's interesting. That is, <laughs> right? Like, oh, hey, yeah. here's how you do it. It's not by lies and cheating to get the best players. It's lies and cheating to get the best liars and cheaters. I mean, yeah. It's great. To get the best video evidence of what's going to happen next. All right. I teased it enough. I want to get to the mailbag and answer people's questions. Here we go. BWI mailbag. We're going to be Whoa. doing this every Thursday. I told you. The new stuff was coming here on the BWI Daily Edition. This is our new mailbag segment we're doing every Thursday on the show. So make sure you submit your questions. If you are, This is where it's the advantage is being a member of BlueWhiteIllustrated.com because I put a message board post out Wednesday night. You can ask me the questions there. And even if I don't get to them on the show, I will answer them on the message board so you will get your questions answered each week as long as it's not something like let me let me let me let me let's just start with this one because larry from twitter has to ask his question larry barbario what's the difference between a tiger and a giraffe and that's the best way to get to me on twitter at thomas frank Carr to get your question uh this is our nature segment nate where we explain to kids that a tiger is a carnivore and a giraffe is an herbivore and that's how nature works. If you want more information, ask your parents. So there you go. First one out. You ready for some football questions, Nate? Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. All right. Beaverman72 asks, and and he this is our anthropomorphic Beaverman on Twitter, one of our friends. Would you attribute the lack of success the past two seasons to recruiting, in-game coaching, or lack of player development? And he knows your tricks, Nate. He says, if you say yeah. it's all of it, you do have to pick one in the question. Would you like me to go first? Or yeah, go ahead. Wanna... Yeah. Okay. So it also helps that I read these and I put them into the, the thing. So I'll give you a minute to think. I would have to say if it's one thing, it would be recruiting. I haven't looked at a lot of guys on the field. And like, I hate to do this again. Let's look at the offensive line specifically. I would look at those guys and I would say, which one of these guys is underperforming? And which one of these guys is performing to the level you might expect of that player? Of those five players, I could make a case that one was being underperforming from what we expect, and you could go to, to coaching on that. And you could also make a case that it's not coaching, it's a bunch of other things. 
So to me, the talent, and this is where when people give me the cliche, and I hate cliches of James Franklin, great recruiter, can't coach. It's like, well, James Franklin, the recruiter, in a large, broad sense, this is a broad sense show, hasn't gotten the players for James Franklin, the coach, over the last couple of years. A dip in recruiting led to a dip in production, and I think that's pretty clear. But I would also say that they have a, they have bounced back pretty well in the last two classes. So that would be my answer. What is your thought here, Nate? I reject the question. Of course I, I'm you do. Going, of I'm going, course. I'm going to answer it, but I reject it. And I reject it because... Does Michael Parsons not count? If Michael Parsons plays in 2020, do you think that the results are different in some of the outcome of those games? Yes or no? Oh, for certainly, certainly. Okay, like the so uh, so an All Pro NFL in his rookie season, we're gonna say that that had an impact, right? Yeah. Uh, we're gonna say that Journey Brown having a career-ending medical condition, right, had an impact. Like I, the, the ability, it, it just, it frustrates me because I, I tend to try to be as fair as I can be and just see what the picture is, right? Like just, yeah. just brought in the field of vision as much as you can and just see things for what they are. And to me, the most frustrating element of any of this is glossing over things like that. As yeah. though, well, it's just, they're just two players that it's just COVID. It, like it just, it, everybody else played with COVID. Yeah. And everybody else had weird, bad seasons because of it. Yeah. Like, so, it, I'm, so no, I, I cannot, I'm not going to say. That let me, let me rephrase it. Let me rephrase the question then, because in my, in my answer, I was only specifically talking about 2021. That to me, like I, I. I'm with you he on said that. Two years. I I understand. What my answer was specifically tailored towards last season because I agree with you about 2020. I, I'm I'm in the same boat about that. I'm not I'm not in this equation holding one thing or the other against the coaching staff. 2021 is a different animal. That was a sure. full season. That was a regular season. Where yes, there are still some effects, but you know, for everything from like their their. Co they, they're lifting together. We are going to practice and we're see like they're practicing yep. on a normal schedule and yep. they were five and oh at one point And then things tailed off at the end of the season because they did not have as many ways to win because the personnel, in my opinion, Fine. dictated that they could not run the ball or execute certain schemes. So when yep. I evaluate that, I see that as talent in this, in this equation so I'm giving you the option here to just talk about 2021 and Beaverman is going to get his answer in this way, whether he likes it or not. It, okay. 2021. Yes. It was all of it. <laughs> We're moving no, I, on. Look, no, no, no. Look, okay. Re recruiting. It, uh, recruiting with an, a major, major asterisk because uh, uh, again, I mean, I just think that there were so many things that happened do I think that specific play calls were what differentiated Penn State from winning 10 games versus seven this season? No, I don't. Right. Uh, maybe one, right? Like, I mean. I would agree with if, that. If, if any of nine overtimes work differently, maybe maybe you're talking about an eight-win season. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm just saying that it it won't. It, it's not this marked change, whereas the recruiting side of things, specific to a quarterback, a defensive tackle, uh, those two be probably being the primary ones, being injured and not really having a way to facilitate a replacement. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You can put that on recruiting. Fine. Right. So I'll go with it. Let, let's let's go a layer deeper in this question, and be as fair as possible that Penn State can recruit good players that maybe aren't stars, but are good football players. I'll give you an example of a guy that would have helped this year would be Judge Culpepper. Like, just having the option, having a veteran defensive tackle so you don't have to put Keziah Izzard and Devon Ellis on the field together. Having a player like that that doesn't go to a max school so they can play and they can start 
In this situation, that would be what you would normally have. That, because of the transfer portal, does not exist anymore. So injuries, bad luck, things like that have an absolute effect. And we've gone 17 rounds about the quarterback and Taquan Roberson and not having Will Levis. So that's also a part of this when it comes to recruiting is maybe even in my sense being unfair about the fact that they didn't have a backup quarterback. Well, they did, and then the transfer portal happened. So this might be the new future. Who knows? But I guess when it to answer the question initially, it's I didn't feel like they had the depth of talent to overcome situations or to create environments in which they could win more games more easily as well. You know, in, in games that they should have won easily or close games, there was the attrition that led to them losing. And, and to me, it comes down to the players on the football field. Let's move on. I, I'm with you. Let's go to Scott. Scott says, um, and this is back to our conversation, I believe, yesterday about uh, making the transfer portal and early enrollees and things more equitable. Scott, at Scott, Cavadad. There's a lot of A's and D's together, man. Scott says, would it be possible to make only players who enroll in January eligible for this early signing period good or bad idea? Trying to limit it to one area so guys can't unenroll and re-enroll and have this kind of like inequitable distribution of the transfer portal across college sports. Um, I'm not sure that I follow. What's the? I mean, I like the the problem with the the early signing period is that it like ruins the calendar. I think. So I'm not sure. I, I don't. So I don't I, know that that needs to be limited to just a certain group of people because it it continues that trend, right? You're still right. you're still having two signing days, and in fact, if anything, it probably makes it worse because now you're dividing into two different sprints, right? Like as it stands, you're trying to cl close the class of 2022 entirely at Penn State in December so that you can move ahead and put all of your energies and focus into the class of 2023. If you split that signing day up, now you're having to do both. Like now you're having to juggle 2023, 24, 25 with still finishing out and all of the havoc that goes with that, the class of 2022. So I'm not sure that that's, I don't know. Ryan's probably better for that question. <laughs> Certainly. What do you think? Um, I took this as the transfer portal, so I may have misunderstood the question as far as early signing period and enrolling in January because there's two groups of players that enroll in January. There's the there's right. the recruits and then there's the transfers. So, But what we're getting down to is players that get into the program in the winter and are there for spring ball, whether it's freshmen or it's transfers. And my answer would be if you just allowed it to be one specific time, one entry and exit point instead of being as open as it is, then I think that would have... It may have a negative effect on players who don't get picked up initially, but at least it would make things tidier. I think that would it would make things tidier if early enrollees or transfers had a 60-day window to get yeah. into the program or or a 30-day window. And it doesn't have to be December to January. It can be January through whenever, but then that goes into the academic calendar and, and school and all that. And that is obviously the sticking point. Yeah, and that, I mean, I think that that was something that James Franklin talked about on Wednesday that should not be an inhibitor to your success as a football program is the fact that a different university has a different academic calendar than you. And yeah. so they can accept players into their program it, to the point where maybe some of these guys just immediately wrote off Penn State as, hey, it's kind of a non-starter. Your classes start on whatever the second Monday in January, whereas school X starts in the end of January. And so it gives me more time. I can consider my options and go from there. Like I, 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 I would say that some type of structure you're right for the transfer portal, two waves. I'm fine with it. Spring post post spring practice and post season. So like yeah. the, the beginning of December to 
January, the beginning of January, and then the same same for the spring, right? May to June. Because right um, now what we have is we have announcements that happen all the time from the end of the season through, you know, whenever, question mark. Guys are, are announcing that they're going into the portal whenever, even if that reality and that fact has been the case since the end of the season. So I, I don't know. I, I It's... This is the problem. This is really the problem of having the vestiges of the amateurism model and the university model coupled with a more and more professional looking approach to these things with transfers and NIL and all this stuff is that we're, we're mixing oil and water and it's, it's not going smoothly. Okay, next question. Let's get to Chris, who says, can you change the music to the intro back, please? Chris, you might be the only person who's enjoyed the intro, the old intro music to the show. You and me are the only people that probably liked that. <laughs> I liked it. I, I like the new one, but I like the old one. So so here's the thing, and uh, I'll, I'll be real with you. There's only so much free royalty free music I have to choose from. So the old sure. song isn't going anywhere. I mean it's it's right here. I can play it for you yeah. now if you want, Chris. There you go. Uh we'll use it in different areas, but I've overwhelming response to the new intro music, which has been the story. Forget forget the early signing the the traditional signing period. The music to the show has been the topic of conversation this week. Uh, let's get to our last actual question. Um, numerous people, including myself, mentioned the good and the bad of how Penn State... And this is from Youf, by the way. I don't know if it's Joof. This is one of our message board members. I, I always like to make these fun. So Youf asks, Numerous people, including myself, mentioned the good and the bad about how Penn State cross-trains players at multiple positions. Can you explain how they tend to do that? I'm wondering if cross-training players across the board or only in certain situations. I've seen them try to get uh, the best on the field, including the offensive line, maybe the best three linebackers, areas of need. They are buried on the depth chart, uh, including, and he gives examples there. What is your view of how Penn State cross-trains players at position, positions where you can do that? Because there is a split on whether that's a good idea or a bad idea. So what what's your opinion on... Should you have a guy just do what he's good at or have the flexibility to play multiple positions? Yeah, just so I just so I follow, what's the bad? That like, guys are the argument. So that a guy is either playing out of position because he's the the best possible option, saying that you're putting a guy at will that is better at Sam or the vice versa, or a guy playing tackle who should be a guard. And you're cross-training Landon Tangwall at five positions when you should just be focusing on making him whatever position he's best and accelerating the clock on him being excellent there. So that would be that would be the argument uh, uh, against cross-training. Yeah, you can't do that. Right. You you can't take that approach of of specialization. I mean, I guess it's obviously quarterback, <laughs> right? Uh, right. Maybe kicker. But no, you in a, in in college football you can't do that. There's no free agency, so you 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 can't just go out and pick up what you need at a moment's notice if something goes poorly. Um, I, I just I, I think that you you have to take the approach that and and again, I mean, this is for. A bunch of positions it's not for every position and it's certainly not for every guy there are players who are limited demonstrate that they're limited they have one specific thing that they're good at and that's the position that they stick at uh but there's still there's still other needs on the team and if a player can serve and help serve those needs you have to take advantage of that because your object is to win games so yeah. um i i just i, I think that you, yes, they tend to, by the time they are seniors, put players into seniors, juniors, yeah, put players into the position that they're going to be to have success at the next level. If yes. that's, if that's a factor. Um, but other than that, you've got to construct your team and make the best and give yourself the best opportunity to win from what you got. 
Yeah. So part of his question that I eliminated here was going on to ask about Jesse Lucchetta and and cross-training him at defensive end and linebacker. And another part of this conversation, youth, I'm going with the Swedish pronunciation, is that the players self-determine. And as, as Nate said, like Penn State will push them to what they think is the best position for them ultimately, whether it's in the NFL or just their best possible scenario as a football player. But... Players get to decide where they want to play. Uh, you know, maybe a little bit of a charged example, but Lamont Wade was a guy that got to decide where he wanted to play. They tend, they generally let guys play corner if they want to play corner, and then they go from there, and they cross-train to the field safety and all of those things. So that's a part of it as well, is giving players the, the agency to be the best player they can be. And what, that's why a lot of players love coming to Penn state. And that's what sells them on coming to Penn state is that they're not boxed into a decision. And then if it doesn't work, then they have more conversations about that. And, and Nate is right that like you can't afford to find out in week five that your tackles injured. And we don't have another guy who's ever taken a snap at tackle going back to the offensive line. This is what this is about. This is, yep. this is the conversation. It's always about the offensive line. You don't have you you can't afford to do that because you know it's a rare instance where you have a guy like Ryan Bates on the roster who yeah he played all five positions he he played some at center they put him at guard but they knew he could play tackle if he needed to because they 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 saw him at that position they gave him some reps there and that allowed him to move there and then not move again for like the rest of his career so you know I I think that this is again. Um, uh, captured in the moment, like you know, you're a hostage of the moment that it has not gone well. But I think it goes back to again the first question from uh, Beaverman, who I hope is is staying warm and dry out there in his beaver den with his TV. It's about the personnel. Like if you don't have the guys that are flexible to actually play the tackle in the guard position, and you're 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 stretching it because you have to. That's a different. That's the conversation we're having. Not is it a good idea to cross train? That I think is missing the point. Yeah, I, I, I tend to think that a, a big part of the mission at this level is preparing yourself for all possibilities, and so you you are trying to construct your team in a way that you're not ruined when injuries happen because yeah. guess what <laughs> nobody knows it better than Penn State over the last few years injuries are going to happen so what are you going to do when that does happen if it, he brought up Marquise Wilson uh Keandre Lambert Smith and Parker Washington go down yeah Penn State did not have another slot receiver last year they were lucky that Parker Washington was healthy what happens that's you know like whereas you have a handful of corners, more than a handful of corners who can you, okay, this guy plays this, he plays this, we can move this piece around, whatever, like you can sustain a couple of losses. Whereas, okay, well, Marquise can step in. And even though it's early in the process of him learning the position, he can step in and maybe help. And he did help. Right. There were, there were some moments he had some occasions. Um, so no, I just, I think that those things, or, or it has to be the approach. I, I don't really, I don't have a, a, a gauge of what everybody else does, but I, I would assume it's pretty standard practice at yeah. this level to do yeah. that. Plenty of guys at in the best possible scenario start on the interior and then play on the outside. We just had four tackles, so we put our best four on the field, but yeah. they were all four tackles. We're not playing guards only on the interior if they're not the best players. It's just a, it's just about getting the best players to play and play well. This is and this this is a tangent and a bit of a rant. I know I've been ranting the last five minutes anyway, but I want to wrap up with this because it's a related topic. Of okay, you're not succeeding because of X on the football field. Penn State's inside zone isn't working, and the one thing I hear all the time is, "Well, change the scheme. You need to change the scheme. If that's not working, go to something else." Okay. What are your other options? Penn State actually amongst the schools that I've watched runs more variety in their scheme than anyone else. I would make the argument that they need to simplify. They need to run less schemes and get good at those. 
And that's just from a desperation standpoint. This is not the NFL. You're not coming in expecting professionals to know how to execute every single block technically perfectly and run anything in your playbook. An NFL playbook is literally all the plays that have ever been designed and ever been thought of, and it's just which ones do you lean on more based on your personnel and your preference as an offensive play caller. In, in college, you've got to decide what you're going to run and what you can run with the most diverse set of players, meaning if somebody goes down or we don't get a recruit, what system works the best across the board? It's, in, in a sense, a lowest common denominator. So if you want to say, okay, change the scheme, you don't have that many to choose from because you've got to practice them to do it and to do it well. So, okay, uh, here's another one. You have an aggressive offense, a defensive line. One thing you can use is a trap block where you let them come upfield and you run behind them. Have you ever executed a trap block before? You can't just throw that in the middle of a football game. That's how you get somebody killed. So, like, it's not that easy. And I guess that's part of the whole conversation is that there are limiting factors unless you're the best team working with the most talent in a system that is loose with the rules so you can practice as much as you want and you can hold shadow practices. I don't know. But it, I, I just I think there are more inhibitors on on this stuff than people think. I I just because I've covered Penn State men's basketball for so long, it, it just it's striking to hear you talk about this in and how completely opposite the two sports are in the sense of one is entirely scripted. You better know exactly what you're doing yep. all the time. The other one is it's not that it's not scripted. It's that there is a framework from which you work from within. That was word salad, <laughs> but right. Yeah. Like, Im improv, improv comedy. Uh, a buddy of mine does improv. I do a terrible it's job not, of it here on the show. It's not without rules. That's right. that's the thing that people miss is it's not without rules. There are things that everyone on that stage has agreed to before they embark on the scene, right? And so you, that is, to me, much closer to basketball and what you're doing in hoops than anything you can possibly do. Like you cannot improv a football game. You like, get benched possible. if you improv too much and you're not a great player. Like we, the, the whole conversation about Micah Parsons was, yeah, he doesn't know what he's doing, but he goes and gets the football anyway. You'll give leeway to that. But he became a phenomenal elite all American player once he learned what he was doing. And now that he's, you know, a professional, he is an all-pro linebacker in his first year because he knows what he's doing and he's not making it up out there. He knows the system. He knows the rules. He knows, uh, and then when, when you're in that framework, if you're working within that and you are a truly special player, you can then break those rules, but you have to know them to break them. You can't just go out there and do whatever you want. Quarterback has the most leeway to do that, but even as a scrambler, you heard James Franklin talk about the rules of scrambling. Head towards the sideline. Work that way with the quarterback. Squeeze there, and then throw the ball in a place that the defense can't get. Don't throw it back into the middle of the field. Don't be Patrick Mahomes because you're not Patrick Mahomes. You want to throw the ball accurately down the field? You're not Aaron Rodgers. You can't throw from a crappy platform because you haven't perfected the basics. Like, those are people that have taken the rules like mad scientists and have warped them to their own special skills. We're working with guys that are learning football. So let's, let's lower that and make sure that the basics are uh, executed by, by these young men. And then when you have a veteran team, you can do more of these things. And I don't know that you're going to get a lot of veteran teams because of the transfer portal. I've had enough of your preaching for one day. I wanted to throw some football in here at the end. Run the Wildcat. They do with Tyler Warren. And then people got mad at that late in the season because it didn't work either. Oh, oh, we could go all day. But we're not going to. We're done now. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. Make sure you subscribe to the Blue White Illustrated YouTube channel and wherever you get your podcasts. We will talk to you tomorrow. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. 
Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York.